Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast, Laura Bear Tells All. I'm Laura, your host, and this podcast is sponsored by the Asa Collective. It's one of the fastest growing women's podcast networks that helps women monetize and grow their podcast. Also, Unicreamer, which is my sister and I's business, it is a plant-based coffee creamer that's portable that you can take with you on the road, so you never have to settle for what your body doesn't deserve. It's dairy-free, keto-friendly, and comes in amazing latte-like flavors like mocha and hazelnut and original. All right, so today I am so excited. I have a special guest. I have Blake from Blake's Seed-Based Company. And okay, so with that being said, let's start the show. Thank you so much, Blake, for coming on. Um, I want you to introduce yourself and your brand and what it's all about. Sure. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. I'm a big, big fan of your your brand as well. Um, so my name is Blake Sorensen. I'm the founder of Blake's Seed Base. Uh, we make seed-based snack bars and protein bars made from either seeds and fruit or seeds and chocolates. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's a personal kind of story for me. I have a nut allergy, um, and really was frustrated with the options on the market. So I kind of solved my own problem and that's how we got started. Yeah, I definitely want to dive into that. And you guys also Blake's brand. Um, I remember having your bar the first time in Limitless and Limitless mm-hmm. is a really popular coffee shop in Chicago. And the founder, Matt Matros, was nice enough to build this little entrepreneur wall for newer Chicago-based brands. And I, I've tried all of the ones on the wall, and they're pretty good. And I'm not a big bar person, to be honest. Um, they just don't do much for me. But for some reason, I really liked Blake's Seed Bar. Like, I don't know what it is, but it wasn't super filling. And I think that's what I liked about it the most. Like, not only did it have a good taste, but it wasn't, like, fudgy or hard to chew was actually just like a really good bar. So I really commend you guys for like making this awesome bar in like such a saturated space. And we'll talk about that later too. But um, I think it's really awesome. Yeah, thank you. Very nice to you. Yeah. So I want to start off with, I know that the nut allergy was kind of what set off, um, was set off your brand. But more than ever, I feel like it's so important to have a mission-based brand and I feel like that's how you build your initial customer list. And mm-hmm. I would love to know, you know, a li- go a little bit deeper into your mission and why you started Blake Seed. Yeah, so our mission is pretty simple. Um, we want to make snacks that are uh, healthy, taste good, and that, you know, almost everyone can eat. So we do that by removing the major allergens. So. Um, that, that's what we're trying to do. We really feel like there's a kind of a white space in the market. There's a ton of snack companies out there, but very few of them, you know, appeal to the main consumer and the kind of the things I just mentioned, we've started taste health and then, uh, the allergy friendly component. So our goal is to be everywhere the consumer is. We want to be in retailers and uh, offices and, you know, convenience stores and yeah, the goal is to get our products everywhere. When you first started and you had this idea, what did that sound like? Like, how did you explain this to people? Um, yes, yeah, so it actually was in a social entrepreneurship course uh, that uh, it started in a uh, grad school program in Indiana. Um, it was actually pretty similar from the beginning. I mean, we've, we've evolved with our recipes and our branding and even changed the name. Um, but the mission from the very beginning was to make, uh, you know, healthy snacks that everyone can eat. 
Yeah, no, I really love that. Um, okay, so let's dive deeper into like the business portion of it. So how do you balance your mission and to connect with your target audience? Like it's a lot more than just like people with nut allergies. Like how do you, mm -hmm. anyone can build a product, like a commodity product and sell it on Amazon as like nut free allergy bar, but how do they yeah. connect your mission with you? Yeah. So it's a great question. So, you know, it's something, it's a kind of a delicate balance and, you know, being someone with a nut allergy, I was actually turned off um, by brands that just targeted people with food allergies because he's kind of felt like you're the allergen kid um, and, and didn't want to be that right. It's not very cool being just the allergen kid. So right. what we've tried to do is kind of build our tribe, um, especially online with, with that food allergen community. Um, you know, things with just keywords, people are really seeking it out. But at retail, um, our bar is going right next to Kind Bar and Cliff Bar and RX Bar. And, you know, nine, one in 10 adults has a food allergy. Uh, so that means 90% of people don't care about food allergies, aren't looking for those products. So um, it's telling a different story at retail, going after the, you know, the mainstream consumer of, okay, we have a fun brand. Uh, you know, we use unique ingredients with seeds and fruits. And then, okay, if you care, we're allergy friendly. If not, disregard. Um, so it's really kind of two different messages. Um, and the goal is to make, again, a brand that uh, is for people with and without food allergies. And do you think like packaging comes into play? Because you guys do have really a great design and good packaging. So when you're placed next to Kind Bar and like RX Bar, like what, you know, do you think packaging has a big play? Absolutely. Um, and we're actually going through a packaging refresh right now of just, things we've learned the past six months on what consumers look for. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you kind of just look, put yourself in a consumer's eyes when you walk down, uh, you know, crowded shelf, unless you're really seeking out a brand, you have to stand out. Um, so little things like thinking about the color and the consumer hierarchy and, and really what is going to catch a consumer's eye, uh, something that is, is very thoughtful for us. And we really think about every day. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, with our brand too, we, when we first had this idea, we walked through Whole Foods and like looked at the creamer section. Then we looked at just the powder section and everything was like green, tan, white. And we're yeah. like, no, we can't do this. Like, I mean, we're just going to be every other brand. So I think packaging like that brand experience on a shelf is like, is such a huge deal. Yeah. We, so we actually started off as an online company, like selling on Amazon or website. And then our first big retailer we got was Jewel. Uh, so our, our packaging was, again, kind of like made for online and not, um, not designed necessarily for retail. So first day I walked down Jewel with, with Bella on our team and we saw our packaging. We're like, we have a lot of improvements we need to make to really optimize it for, for retail. So when was that? I got kicked in the butt a little bit. That was uh, really this summer. Um, so, you know, in, in uh like june july of, of 2019 was our yeah that was our first big retailer wow so because you guys were an online brand did that help you guys sell in joel like were those online customers there yeah it helped us a lot i mean uh really in our kind of pitch to jewel and some of these other retailers people would always ask like yeah it's fine i buy you guys an amazon or website but i always shop at you know this retailer or that retailer um and even in our, our some of our pitches now to retailers we'll bring the online data and say hey you know california for example is our number one um 
state as far as people buying e-commerce. So that, you know, that helps us with pitches there. The East Coast is strong. Midwest is strong. We'll actually show them the data, uh, which just shows that, yes, people are buying this product. People want the product, but, you know, they want convenience where they can find us at, at your stores as well. Yeah, I feel like that's such a good strategy to build an online marketplace. So you're not, I don't know if people know this, like, but, and we'll talk about this a little later, but when you go into any sort of retail store or big box store, there's a lot of fees and money that you have to invest just to be on a shelf. And the more people are aware of your brand before they walk in, <laughs> like the more money you're saving in the long run, I feel. Um, so that's right. a really smart strategy. Um, the reason I wanted to focus on like mission and like scaling so much is just because, especially like in the fundraising stages of our business, like obviously investors care about money, like number one, like they want to see money. Mm -hmm. But then also, you know, all these companies are wanting mission vision brands and like it's, it's really fine line or, or hard line to cross when you're trying to hone in on like your mission and vision, but then you're trying to like massively scale at the same time. So yeah. how do you like, how do you pitch that? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think the first thing that we, you know, stress to, to investors and that they understand is we're, we're solving a real need, right? So I think, as you know, in food and beverage right now, it's easier than ever to make a, a product and put it on Shopify and, and be out there. So at the end of the day, your product, has to solve a need, um, and then it also has to, to taste good. Um, and, and if you accomplish those two things, I think you know, you're, you're ahead of 90% of the, the crowd. Um, and yes, we have you know, a huge mission, we wanna get that across, but we do that by, by growing, right? If someone in Louisiana that has no clue about our brand, you know, we, the way we're able to kind of spread the, the gospel of our brand is we get in their stores, we get in front of those consumers, um, so I think that's how you, how you approach it is, I guess how we're approaching it is we want to, we want to be everywhere and by being everywhere and getting the awareness, um, people can kind of buy into what we're doing. Awesome. So when you're thinking about like your target customer, for instance, like what does that avatar look like? Yeah. So this is another thing we, we learned really from, from online data and on who is buying it. So it, it's really, it's the adults, um, so it's, you know, the data we're kind of seeing, it's, you know, the 21 to, you know, 38 year old adults. We are skewed female a little bit online, but it's someone that is kind of ahead of the curve, is health conscious, is willing to try a new product um, and really, really cares about their body. And then they're just, they're, they're active. Um, and you see from kind of our social, but a lot of our consumers are skiers or bikers, or, you know, they're, they're really looking for a healthy on-the-go snack. Um, so that's so far who's been kind of our rabid consumer. Interesting. Um, okay. So you guys are in like one of the most crowded spaces possible, I think. Yeah. <laughs> We're idiots, right? I mean, no, you're doing really well <laughs> and it tastes really good. And I think, yeah, you're right. Like once you get it to taste like really good, you're kind of like one yeah. of everyone else. Um, but I was in an accelerator for instance, and there was only one bar in the accelerator. These are really great, smart, intelligent guys. And they got into Mariano's, I remember. And Mariano's is basically has 40 stores. Um, they're one of the largest, you know, grocery store chains here. And then they went out of business. So, and theirs tasted really good. So I'm just wondering, like, what, 
do you think it was with you guys? Like, how did you do it? <laughs> it's a very broad question. Yeah, no, it's, it's tough. And, and the goal eventually is to be more than a bar company, right? Like right. we have bars right now. We want to be more, but again, it just goes back to kind of the consumer funnel of getting on shelves is one thing, but how, how are you going to drive awareness? How are you going to drive trial? So I think being very thoughtful around that um, is what you have to do at every retailer. I mean, just getting in, getting in doors isn't enough. Um, you have to, you know, put it on shelf. Is it the right area on shelf? Is it price right? Are you doing demos? Are you doing promotions? And all those things, you really have to have a good formula or, or it's just not worth going into that retailer. So, um, frankly, I mean, we're, we're really happy with our results, but we haven't mastered that yet either. I mean, it's something that we're kind of going through right now with, with new retail launches. Got it. Your online success, like what was your first biggest traction channel? Was that like Amazon or direct to consumer from your website? Yeah. So this year about half of our uh, sales came from online. And then um, of that, you know, about 70% of the online came from Amazon. Um, so that, that when you look, it's just kind of the, the lowest hanging fruit, right? Someone goes on to Amazon and types in, you know, nut free bar or gluten free bar, allergen free bar. We can, we can win those, um, keywords and then it's you know one purchase as you know uh online our websites is a little more difficult you have to get someone to go to the website it might be a different checkout process so what we found is amazon although the fees are high is a great way to kind of uh, capture initial consumers so i'm thinking that like the ads that you guys put together and like that were targeted were based on nut free first like that was the selling point over all the other ones is what i'm kind of understanding yeah, and I guess I just, I'm a little biased because I have a nut allergy, so I usually just say it first. But but yeah, I would say like nut allergies are, um, you know, it's like the deadliest food allergy, right? It's the one that most people have anaphylactic shock. They're the most serious. Um, so that's, you know, why people are really have to be careful about about what they eat. Um, but really, other, other allergens perform very well for us on, on keyword sources as well. And do you guys have a lot of competitors in like the nut-free bar space? There's a few. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the most notable is kind of Enjoy Life. Uh, they're they're kind of created this whole top eight allergen-free snack um, snacking industry. Um, so Mondelez bought them a few years back. Uh, so th there are competitors, but you know they're kind of segued of people that are really the mainstream brands like the Cliff and the Kind, and then really brands that are just focused on allergen. And, you know, to really win, we can start with the allergen consumer, but we want to be mainstream. We want to capture, you know, uh, consumers from, from both sides, both, you know, the food allergen consumer and the non-food allergen consumer. Interesting. And have you guys ever used the approach? Like, you know how I told you I really like your bar because it feels lighter, like almost mm -hmm. kind of like you're eating bird seed. And I, I don't mean that in like a derogatory yeah. way. Um, no. Do you capture like the women audience because of that? I'm just curious. Yeah, I think, I mean, if you look at our product, uh, I think that it, it does stand out. You can see the ingredients you're eating. So that's messaging that we've used kind of more and more um, is, you know, the, the bird seed is, you know, I, I kind of get it as seeds, right? We have a parrot in our logo. Right. Um, but it, it is something like even our new packaging will have a clear window because consumers, just like you said, want to see our, our product. Right. Interesting. Okay. And so I think online it was like the allergen thing. And then when you were in stores, I'm still trying to like figure out 
you guys, it tastes amazing and everything, but it's next to all these popular bars and you guys are in Jewel mm-hmm. for the first time. Like, how does that go the first month or two? Do you, are you doing a ton of in-store demoing? Like, how is that working? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, there's not a silver bullet, right? You got to get in there, you have to demo, you have to do events around it, you have to have the right promotions, you have to be price right. Um, so there's like, you know, 12 different levers you can pull. Um, and you just kind of, each retailer is a little bit different, but it's got all hands on deck when you launch a new retailer, really to drive awareness and get those initial customers, uh, just make them aware of the product. I mean, our biggest thing is getting people to sample the product. If they sample it, we have a lot of success that they'll you know buy and, and be a repeat purchase, but no one knows who you are. Uh, you aren't going to stay in shelves very long. And who helps you with that? A lot of it is uh, our team. I mean, you can work with the retailers, uh, as you know, and they'll they'll help with the promotional strategy and they'll help um, kind of give you an idea of what's worked well for other brands. But as far as the demos and and the events and the social, um, it's just kind of all internal of, of our team of, uh, you know, yeah, raising awareness around the retailer. Gotcha. What is one thing when you guys entered the retail space and like, obviously you've had a lot of success so far that you, that has surprised you the most or been the hardest work or cost the most money? Um, so with retail, things just take so long. I think that's one thing that I was surprised by is, you know, even if you sell a retailer, um, tomorrow, you might get on shelves for you know, another eight months or so. So one was just kind of be having patience and getting used to one. It's going to be a long process. And then any changes you make, say you want to change a different skew or the price or even get a new promotion. Um, like I like things that happen right away and, and you can't do that in retail. So the biggest learning is being so well prepared ahead of time. I'm saying this is our, our strategy all in one. Um, this is the review period and this is how we're going to make this account work. Uh, having that together beforehand, I've been kind of just getting on shelves and saying, all right, it's like now what? Uh, Cause that's you're set up to fail if that's the case. Got it. And then as soon as you guys got on these shelves, how do you balance now with, I'm assuming you're like small, but growing team, or I could be wrong. Like how many people I'm I'm assuming it's growing now. Yeah. So we have three people full time. Uh, We, we contract out uh, pretty much everything we we can, you know, from our manufacturing design agency. um, You you think of it, we, we we contract it out, but we'll continue to to grow our team too, as we we get more doors. Um, We kind of want to overfill our initial team. Like we don't want to just hire someone to hire someone. We want to be, to the point where we're going crazy and we have no more time in the day. We have to bring someone else on uh, before we make that move. Right. And so now how do you handle like having three full-time people and contractors, but like how do you handle all this work you have to do on in the retail side and the online side? Yeah. So a lot of it is just kind of internally how we split it up. Um, For example, like Adam on our team uh, kind of does all the online channel and back end logistics and Bella and I were working more in the retail. Um, So just kind of identifying, all right, here are the business initiatives. Here's what we're trying to do. Now, how are we going to, you know, divide and conquer? Uh, So things we're still working through. Okay. That makes sense. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit about Expo West. I know that's the largest food event, if you are a food company, that you could possibly be 
um, displaying mm -hmm. your product at or walking around. I know that when Elise and I started Gina Creamer, we snuck in the first year. We had no idea what it was. Um, and then we yeah. started, were like, oh my God, there's literally like miles and miles of food. You're so full by the end of it. It's ridiculous. Um, yep. I want to talk about like you guys are, is this the first time you're going to be at Expo West with a booth? So we, uh, we exhibited last year as well. Okay. Uh, so this will be our, our, our second time. Okay. Awesome. And tell us a little about a little bit about Expo West and the results that came from that. I think a lot of people are interested in, are my ready to be a part of this yet? Yeah. So it's the most overwhelming show you can imagine, right? As, as you kind of just, just went through, we've been to a ton of other shows, but Expo West really, it's, it's everything in the industry from every food brand, every investor, every retailer, you, you, you have to be there. Um, if, you know, if, if you want to be in this industry. Um, so, yeah, I mean, our, our big takeaways was one, just showing up and, and seeing what's all about it. And, you know, it's a great way to meet people, see the competitors are doing and kind of see the different trends. Um, and we were fortunate enough last year was the first year where we met the, the, the team at Walmart. Um, and that was our big takeaway from that show, uh, which we're, we're in about 300 Walmarts right now. But wow. again, we, if we weren't, weren't in, uh, weren't at that show that, that really w wouldn't have happened. We got to meet those buyers. So, um, every year it's about, you know, you spend a bunch of money and it's kind of the unknown, but, uh, you hope you meet retailers and you can set up meetings with other, you know, brands and distributors, um, to really, you know, Make, make your business, uh, you know, reach the goals you want, you want to get to. Yeah. And it seems like just from that Walmart meet and greet that the ROI was definitely there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Wow. And were you guys ready to scale to that level when you had your, when you met them last year? The Walmart team? So they, uh, the Walmart specifically, they have like an innovation program which we're on. Uh, so it's like kind of made to work with smaller brands. Okay. Um, if they would have said, hey, like go in, you know, 3,000 stores, um, frankly, you know, we don't want to approach our business that way. We're, we kind of going to want to make sure we get on shelves and sell and then expand. Right. Um, so that, that's kind of the, the approach we've taken with, with Walmart and other brands. Like let's prove out that we're going to move and then, if it does, um, which we have in most places, we'll, we'll pour more resources into it. Yeah, I think like the retail space in general and like those super large brands, like big box brands too, they know that they're competing with smaller grocers and health food shops that a lot of people are going to now that are more trustworthy. So I think they are understanding the importance of bringing brands like yours and mine into their store, for instance. And yep. I think it's really great that so many of them, like Whole Foods does too, has like an innovation program that helps brands scale properly. So there's expectations are always kind of met based off of that. Am I correct? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it didn't used to be this way. It's either it kind of had to be all distribution or nothing. And now, like you said, these uh, retailers are becoming more and more aware that they kind of have to uh, be nimble and work with smaller brands. Right. And um, are you guys also targeting like mom and pop stores too? Or you're wanting to be everywhere, I'm assuming. Yeah. I mean, our kind of, for example, we're a Chicago brand. So we, you know, we're in like 300 random like gyms and coffee shops. And in Chicago, we want to be there. We're in a bunch of offices in Chicago. 
So we want a consumer to, we want to be in their office. We want to be at their random shops. And then we want to be at their main retailers like Jewel and Mariano's uh, that they shop at. And so you can do all those things in, in you know, a city, you get great brand awareness and trial. And, and we think that's, that's the method that works well. Do you credit like your success so far to like more hustle or intelligence or experience? Like what would you say your, your thing is? <laughs> Uh, so our thing, frankly, is um, talking to other brands, talking to our advisors, talking to other people in the startup community and just learning from other people. Uh, we're not the first food company. We're not the first bar company. Um, we've made a ton of mistakes, but I think one thing we have done well is we've taken feedback and we've reacted quickly when we haven't done things right. Um, but I think there's so much value from talking to other brands who are going through the same problems that you are and just sharing ideas um, and resources. And, and that, I, I think, has kind of got us to, to where we're at. Got it. And you guys were in the Kellogg's Accelerator, am I correct? Yes, yeah, so we were in the Kraft Heinz Incubator Kraft Program. Kraft Heinz Incubator. Um, yep. So it's a four-month program where, you know, we kind of learned how Kraft does things, which is, you know, obviously monster scale, completely different than a three-person startup. But uh, the most helpful thing was we were with four other companies who were at similar stage to us. And uh, just kind of what I went through, just learning from them, you know, changed our business uh, overnight. That's awesome. Um, if I, so let's say I'm just starting out and I have this idea to do any sort of food product in the health, natural health space. Um, mm -hmm. As an advisor, what is the first thing that I could start doing right now that I could start at least executing on my idea? Um, yeah, I mean, if it's a food product, I think there's a few different ways, but it's one, it's like formulating the product. So for, like, for example, I got in my kitchen and made, you know, 20 different versions of bars and would bring them to friends and family and say, what do you like? Um, so I think that that's one of them. Um, and then ultimately it has to come up to, will people buy the product? So kind of the, the steps that we took were one, let's formulate the product and see what we like. And then two, are, are people going to buy this? Um, so we actually did a Kickstarter campaign um, and, and, and we got $30,000 in pre-orders for the product. And, we, and that was like our validation for, okay, people want to buy this product. Um, so I think that was, those are the two biggest things I would say is formulate and and, and get friends and family to give feedback and then see if people eventually will buy it. Yeah. Will people like it? Will people buy it? Love it. Yeah. Pretty simple. <laughs> pretty simple. Um, okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this information. Um, can you let people know where to find you personally and then where they can find your bars as well? Yeah. Uh, so personally, I guess I'm like LinkedIn, probably the best spot. Um, find me there. Um, and then our, our website is blakeseedbase.com. Um, and you can order a product there or, or on Amazon. Um, and then we have a store locator on our website for every state now. So you can find, find what, what retailer are around you on there. Awesome. And I'll put all these links on the show notes as well. And thank you so much. And I'll talk to you guys soon.